You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Usually at the top of the show, I run my mouth for a few minutes, but today I'm going to do a little interview with a very special returning guest, Dr. V. Chu. He's a physician at the Capitol Hill Medical Clinic. Is it Capitol Hill Medical Clinic? Capitol Hill Medical. Medical. Mm -hmm. Capitol Medical, an LGBT-focused primary care clinic here in Seattle. And a few months ago, your boyfriend of 19 years, husband, Mm -hmm. common-law husband, uh, won the right for you to come on the show and take a couple questions. And you were so awesome. Uh, We wanted to have you back. And today, uh, we recorded this a couple of weeks ago, but today, a very special thing happened. The FDA approved the first prophylactic drug regimen for people who are HIV negative that can theoretically protect them from HIV mm-hmm. infection called Truvada. 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 Like Nevada, but mm-hmm. with true. True. And it's slightly controversial. And I was wondering if you could bring my listeners up to speed on this drug. Oh, goodness. Yes. So this is actually one of the most exciting things to come out in the HIV world. Um, I, we also do HIV medicine in the clinic. So um, I'm one of the specialists there. But uh, this is super exciting because this is just another tool that we can use in the toolkit and in uh, HIV prevention. But it's essentially – it's two of the medications that you would normally take if you uh, actually had HIV, uh, two of the ones that are actually contained in this thing called Truvada. And you take it once a day um, and you know the, the idea is that you're supposed to practice safe sex as well and try not to get HIV. Uh, but it can reduce your risk. Um, but not 100%. No. The studies were – people were 40% less likely to become infected if they took the drug as people usually take drugs, which is a little inconsistency. Totally. A little inconsistently. But if they used it consistently, it was only what, 70 or 80%? You could get as high as – yeah, upwards of 90. I mean we it, it, if they actually did blood testing and to see how much Truvada was in the blood serum. And if actually you looked at the people who – reported taking it every day and probably were because the true, the levels of each of the medications were higher. Um, it was associated with really, really high, uh, high protection. So upwards of 90, I would say 70 to – I can't remember the numbers, something uh, – at least 70 percent. But if you're using the drug in combination with safer sex practices – how much of it is the drug that's protecting people? Were they able to measure for which was protecting people? Someone who's going to take the drug consistently is also going to use safer sex practices consistently. What did the studies actually measure? Yeah, so what, the effectiveness of the drug or the effectiveness of condoms and safer sex practices? Well, well we know what condoms and safer sex practices do. Um, and this it, – it's a little hard to tease out because the study really – it's one of the knocks on the study, if anything, I mean it's a great study, but is that it, how close does this measure uh, measure real-world behavior, right? Because these people are going in for testing once a month for STD screening and HIV counseling. And who, you know, who's who does going that? in once a month exactly? And that prompts people to remember to take their drugs. To, it lets them know they're being scrutinized. They don't want to fail the drug regimen. They don't want to be – Exactly. They don't want to go in and have a negative result and feel like they've let the study's authors Absolutely. down. Totally. So, you know, you're excited about this drug. I'm a little dubious because uh, I'm out there slogging around in the real world mm-hmm. with – real people who are really moronic at mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. and engage in a lot of magical thinking. Mm-hmm. And what I know from dinking through my email every day is a lot of people regard this drug as I don't have to practice oh, yeah. safe sex anymore. I can take this drug and the drug is going to do the work for me. And it, I fear it's going to be misused and it is going to contribute to higher rates potentially of HIV transmission. And that's, that's, a, that's a real problem. That's a significant concern. That's one of the the issues that's going to be coming up again and again when providers are going to be meeting at conferences and talking about this. 
Um, the idea is that you know what if you what if you do give this medication to people and they take it consistently, are you going to develop um, resistance? Or you as a doctor, what's your responsibility when someone asks for this drug to say, well, why and how? And if it's a gay guy who's sitting there saying, I want to go on a gay cruise and not have to worry about using condoms. What's your responsibility as a doctor at that moment? To deny that person the prescription? No. The first thing I would say is thank you <laughs> because I, honestly, if, I, if you're not honest with me, you're, if you're going to tell me that you're going to do this and you're planning on having uh, or, or you want to reduce your risk because you think you might be having a little bit you know, uh, less safe than we, what we would like you to be, I want to know that because otherwise I don't know how to take care of you. But if, you, if you're able to, to be honest with me and tell me that, my job is to reduce your risk, right? I mean I, you're going to do what you're going to do and – you know, I like to think that people are rational and they're rational 100 percent of the time and they're rational when they're drunk and they're rational when they're horny. But that's not the case and that is where the epidemic lies. So if you tell me you're going into this cruise and you'd be willing to take this pill every day that could reduce your risk if you're taking it every day, then you know I want to reduce your risk. Absolutely. Will it reduce your risk though? I think it will. I think it will. I mean, if you think about just not this. to the levels that people are being sold, people are being told that this is, you know, oh, so this is not hearing the 80, 90 percent thing and thinking and even that I, I, I'm sorry, you know, 80, 90 percent risk reduction over a lifetime of being on an antiretroviral drug that has significant side effects. Absolutely. That you so, have to use in concert with safer sex practices that really, in my mind, obviate the, the need for the drug in the first place. Right. How is this not a – Well, so, so the, the, the lowest hanging fruit, let's – we'll agree. I mean, absolutely, you know, safer sex practices, condoms are, are certainly, you know, uh, the, the bare minimum of what we have to be using. Um, the other thing that we have to do is be testing everyone so that everyone knows their status and getting everyone who's HIV positive on medications are undetectable. That's a low hanging fruit. Right. That so, is what people are now calling treatment as prevention. Right. Because people who are being treated, whose viral loads are undetectable, are for all intents and purposes not infectious. Ninety-six percent less likely to infect someone. So about as infectious as possible. I believe there was a Swiss group like years ago that got in trouble because they said that, you know, essentially you're un, un, you're un, you're not infectious, and so you know they were saying you know, they don't even use condoms. And got in big trouble over that because you really don't know. We don't know, but. But a lot of the studies are coming out saying, yeah, that's actually playing out. So 96 percent is what we know. So rather than medicating people who are not infected, shouldn't we be making sure that everyone who is infected has access to treatment and as is being treated? Certainly. That is the low-hanging fruit right there. I mean that is def- – that is – that's the direction that we have to be taking. But but Truvada is very important because it's another angle we can take. It's another thing we can do. And and, and so if someone comes to me and says, hey, I, I – I, uh, I'm pretty sexually active. I don't, I'm not perfect with my condom use and I want to reduce my risk. And they're going to use it responsibly, meaning they're going to come see me every once in a while so I can make sure none of these side effect kind of things are going to be happening, then absolutely. I'm not going to, withdraw, I'm not going to withhold a statin cholesterol-lowering medication to one of my obese patients who eats hamburgers a lot. If he comes to me and says, you know, I, I'm working in my diet, but I, I'm not quite there yet, but I want to make sure I'm not yeah, doing any permanent damage. Denying that drug or giving that drug to a diabetic isn't going to make other people diabetic, isn't going to make the diabetes crisis worse for that person's sex partners. Diabetes isn't a sexually transmitted infection. Absolutely. It's and it's culturally transmitted right, infection. Right. And the problem I see in Truvada, 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 you say Truvada, I say Truvada, is <laughs> – that there is going to be a lot of magical thinking. And I don't know if someone who doesn't use condoms consistently, doesn't act as in, in his own self-defense using condoms consistently, mm-hmm. can be relied upon to take a drug consistently. And there's going to be a lot of people factoring in, I'm on this drug, or my, they say they're on this drug, da-da-da-da. Totally the, right. And their calculus are- around their choices sexually in the moment, 
And I worry. I worry that this is going to and that's make a, things worse. That's a worse. valid concern. That's t- that is one of the main concerns that we have is that is this going to increase the amount of unsafe, unsafe. sex? And the idea is so far that you – know, And make people more vulnerable, people who are negative now, who are struggling – not always condom compliant or whatever people want to, term people want to use are now going to take this drug and think I'm I'm good. Right. I don't so have to be careful let's anymore. just be clear: it's not a chemical condom, and there's so many other things you can get. Right. But I agree with you. No, this is a real concern, and this is something that we're going to be debating amongst ourselves for a long, long time. So and the, every time someone comes to my office and asks for Truvada. This is going to be something that's going to be going through my head. So the onus is really going to be on doctors to be on top of the people that they're prescribing this drug to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we really have to let them know that you know this is not supposed to take the place of a condom. By no means is it a chemical condom. It is not it's, a party drug. It's not a party drug. You don't take the – yeah, exactly. Uh, this is – but you know, on a population basis, this is definitely one of the tools we can use. I just um, – yeah, I agree with you. I worry sometimes. But – I'm about harm reduction and risk reduction. So this is out there and if someone's honest with me and they want to reduce their risk and they don't – they're not sure they're going to make the best decisions all the time but they think they can take this medication every day, sure. So you think it's going to do more good than harm in the long run? This I time. think ultimately – I yeah, I think so. I think it will. Okay. Uh, so I, I have to admit that I – the one, one of the genes I inherited from my mother was the worst case scenario gene where my hip brain always games out the, the, the worst case scenario. And that's all I'm able to do when I read about this drug is go right to – that forty percent figure, which I don't think is that is enough, and the worst case scenario, and the magical thinking, hard dick douchebags uh, that I've been battling against since I was loved for twenty two years, who are always screwing up and making the wrong choices, and but they can be business. All sorts of dickful thinking when it comes to what's safe and what's not safe, and if they also have a drug that fuels that dickful thinking, I just worry. What about a forty percent vaccine? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's it's forty percent doesn't sound like a, a great number, but it's it's a it's not a bad number. This is a significant number, I would say. It's something. Your calls after this? This episode is brought to you by the new Squarespace. Squarespace introduces a new content management system, making it faster and easier to create a high-quality website or blog, plus mobile responsive designs with automatic device scaling and more than 50 other new features. For a new trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com savage and use offer code SAVAGE8. ExtremeRestraints.com is the ultimate fetish store and so much more. No matter how vanilla or how kinky you are, Extreme Restraints carries toys for you. They've got huge selections of premium vibrators, bondage gear, fucking machines, cock jewelry, and more at great prices. Save an extra 10% with the coupon code GGGAUGUST. Double that discount, 20% off if you use it by Sunday. Uh, Hi, Dan. Uh, I am a 26-year-old male in the Midwest. Um, I'm calling today uh, to ask you about molluscum contagiosum, which really sounds like a Harry Potter spell uh, when you say it out loud. Um, I got this thing, and I went to the doctor, and they said it's not an STD, and you can get it from any skin-to-skin contact, um, but it most normally shows up as an STD. Uh, where I got it, which is uh, on the genitals. I don't know how I could have gotten it. I haven't had sex with a girl in like four or five months, and the period for incubation is a lot shorter. But that's not why I'm calling. Um, why I'm calling is uh, I was wondering if you knew uh, what to do about it. I've been to my doctor, and they've been putting stuff on it that's not really, doesn't seem to be helping a whole lot, and it seems to be spreading. I've read on the Internet about apple cider vinegar, I don't know uh, if you could help me out. 
Um, that would be awesome. Thanks. So this is the one. People talk about, oh, you can get something from a toilet seat. This is the pseudo STI that you can actually get from a surface, from a toilet seat, from a bench in a swim club, molluscum contagiosum. Correct? Oh, totally. Uh, um, molluscum is uh, ex- exquisitely easy and annoyingly easy to get. And typically it's going to be gotten from a lot of times sexual contact, but you can get it from casual contact as well, casual touching. Um, the idea and is- surfaces. This is a toilet seat potential disease. I know people who are swimmers who've gotten it from sitting on benches, damp, sweaty, wet benches in swim clubs. Yeah, I mean it's probably less likely than actually sexual contact, but I absolutely, I'm, uh, you know, it's 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 via you know if you're shedding uh, if if you're shedding skin cells that have the virus in it, then absolutely you can get molluscum from that. Typically, it's going to be in your pubic area or in the lower abdomen. You're going to see these little. Yeah, tell people what it looks like. We were talking about it. Nobody, we haven't described it yet. Totally. So it's it's flesh-colored little bumps um, that uh, are a little smooth, and sort of the telltale feature, if you can kind of get down and in there, is it has a little dimple. It's a little central dimple, and if you see that, then it's a molluscum. They're not painful. They don't leak pus or anything. They're just visually. They're just these flesh little. Flesh color, colored little things that are almost really like skin tags, slightly raised. Um, not as big as skin tags. Skin tags typically kind of look like you can almost pull it off or mm-hmm. cut it off. But these tend to be like little little round mounds, almost little domes, but really flat. And it's treatable. Yeah, totally treatable. I mean, um, so, I don't know what this guy's doctor is doing for him, but it's obviously not what doctors generally do because it is treatable and. The treatment typically works. What is Yeah, I don't know what the doc's been um, putting on there, but essentially one of the main things you do is cryotherapy. So I take a little bit of a liquid nitrogen wand and I just kind of touch it to the each spot and I kind of freeze it solid. The idea is being that, you know, the, the viral tissue, they, it replicates too quickly so it can't lay down capillaries. And so if you freeze it solid, the normal tissue, which has normal capillaries, can like heal. But uh, just like a wart, uh, the molluscum would not heal well and it would kind of fall, fall off. I'm not sure about apple, apple cider vinegar. I'm not – you know, you get a lot of things on the internet. You know, he's not going to hurt himself. I mean, Putting he wants the to apple put cider some, vinegar yeah. on his dick. But the, I, I'm wondering if he, what he means or the idea is that it, it's acetic acid. It's it's some sort of acid, which, you know, there there are other treatments for. You can approach molluscum like a wart, right? You can you essentially burn it off, cut it off, freeze it off, something like that. So if your doctor, caller, isn't burning, cutting, or freezing, you need to go to a different doctor. And yeah, try or just do it, do it more. I mean, sometimes these things come back and you just keep freezing. Um, and it's a terrible spell to have on, on you. Dan, I'm a Portland dyke and having a little bit of a problem with my butthole. So I had some anal sex in the shower over a year ago now, maybe a year and a half, and I did a little bit of damage to it, and I cannot get the thing to heal. Um, For a while, it was getting a little bit ripped open, and it's been feeling a little bit better, Um, but then I accidentally did a little bit more anal sex without enough lube. And pulled it open again. That was maybe five months ago, and I've been really careful since then, and I just don't seem to be able to get the thing to close up. So I'm wondering if there's anything I can do other than fiber supplements, because I'm not really sure how to get it to heal, and I love anal sex, and it would be awesome if I could bring that more into my life. Before we get to this lesbian and her damaged butthole, let's talk about buttholes just I would love to generally for a moment. You know, one of the, you know, chief calumnies of the anti-gay right out there is that we're all fucking ourselves to death and there's actually some, you know, mainstream sex advisors like Dr. Drew who tell people not to have anal sex because they they'll experience an anal prolapse and their asses will fall out of their buttholes. And if anal sex was so damaging, 
generally, your clinic would see this parade of guys with busted butts all day long. Yep. As a doctor who works in a gay medical clinic, do you see a disproportionate number of busted butts every day? I'm happy to report that my patients' butts are great. They're doing just fine. Yeah. Uh, there's no uh, epidemic of bad buttholes. Everything's <laughs> <laughs> You don't have guys walking in with prolapsed anuses every day. Can you tell us what a prolapsed anus is? I, I get this question every day. Oh, my God. I heard that if I have anal sex, I'll get a prolapsed anus. What's a prolapsed anus? From people who can't Google. People are listening right now. They can't Google. Prolapsed anus is what? It's basically – it's when the it's when the, the anus is like sort of the – it's a big GI tract, right? It, it's imagine if you sort of you're trying to pull, you almost pull the 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 tube of the GI tract through the hole from the outside. It's it's basically like you you pooch it out. Like it's it, the, the the connective tissue isn't it's supposed to hold it in, but um, it's almost like um, almost like a sock that mm-hmm. you 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 feed through the external. And it's kind of gross to think about, but it's actually a real problem um, for some people. And um, the treatment is shove it back in. Yeah, the treatment is essentially, you know, uh, there's, there's surgery that you can um, uh, get to have it sort of repaired. But essentially, yeah, um, you know, if, if someone prolapses, if, if someone is wondering what to do, essentially, there's, um, you know, actually, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if you're supposed to, like, um, reduce it by yourself or just go on in. But, you know, it's certainly, I mean, it's if it's. If it's out and it's and it's a cute thing because you just blew it out, probably just leave it alone and go to the you know obviously get to the ER. Um, um, but this doesn't have no, no 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 no. This is not something that you get from just anal plain sex. Old anal sex between lesbians or you know anyone. Uh, this but it's is, always held up as this sort of like the very scary monster of anal sex. Yeah, people of anal sex have prolapsed anuses. Eventually, it's always held out like oh my god. When you're 80, you're going to have a prolapsed anus because you got fucked in the ass in your 20s twice. Yeah, I'm happy to report my 80 year old patients are doing just fine as well. No, um, you know, if anything, you 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 you're you're gonna it's it's like working out your 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 sphincter and it's gonna do be nice and strong. It's a muscle, and when it you is use them, they get stronger, not weaker. You can abuse them. You can blow. You can throw your back out. You can throw your ass out. If you go too fast, if you go too heavy, if you go too hard, if you use toys that are too big, if you don't take care, if you're fucked up on drugs and you can't you, – you snip that feedback loop between your ass and your brain and you're not uh, sensing when there's discomfort or displeasure, that you need more lube or whatever, you can definitely hurt your ass oh, having yeah. anal. But there's a lot of people out there having anal all the time who do not hurt their asses ever. But it will heal right up, right back up. And if it doesn't, uh, then there's stuff you can do. Absolutely, there's stuff you can do. Okay, let's talk about this woman's ass and what she needs to do about it. She has a fissure. Yeah, it sounds like she has a fissure. Or it's a chronic non-healing fissure, right? I mean, it's a long time to be out of the game or at least take yourself out of the game. It's a year, a year and a half to have this. I mean, typically a fissure is going to be painful for a while because a lot of times you know, get a fissure after – and what is a fissure for the fissure version? It's a little tear in the anal mucosa. So it's almost like, you know, imagine like you're – if you just think about the mechanics of the sex, you don't use enough lube and you get you, – you try to force it in and you get a little tear in, into the mucosa. Um, and it's really painful. Um, and it can be – it can take a long time to heal because if you can imagine the area is kind of not the cleanest. Um, you kind of do approach it with just exactly the same way she's been doing it. Take a little time. You take fiber. What that does is it, it – uh, it makes the consistency of the stool a little bit softer. It will make you more regular so that you can just sort of – it's a little sort – of, I guess cleaner drops, best mm-hmm. thing, way you can put it. Um, and, then, and then some time. Now, uh, if it's been more than several weeks or a couple of months, I mean this is something that should probably get seen because sometimes these, these fissures will become sort of these chronic ulcers. There are um, things – so you could – if it, it, 
the sphincter is – I mean the, the anus is one big sphincter, right? I mean there's, there's a lot of muscular tissue there and sometimes it doesn't heal because you need – the sphincter is always kind of uh, – it's a soft, smooth muscle. It's, it's hard to sort of heal because it's always kind of moving. Um, you can put a little bit of uh, this cream on it, uh, uh, a calcium ch- a channel blockers uh, cream that can make it relax. Uh, you use that for a little bit. It can give you a headache too but you use that for a little bit uh, in conjunction with – you want to see a surgeon. Um, uh, and because in some cases, if it's not healing, then you can do what's called a fissurotomy. Essentially, you just cut out that part and you, you stitch it back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then beyond that, I mean, you, you have to take it easy for a while, but uh, no, you, you, and it, it should heal just fine. I mean, you might have a little bit, it'll take a while to get back into the game, but it should be just fine. Lots and lots and lots of lube. And back to the doctor. And one tip that a friend got from a doctor was to not wipe so vigorously. Sometimes when people get fissures, they get paranoid about being squeaky clean, and then they saw away at their fissured. Yeah, you got to let it heal with toilet paper. And they need to. If you do have a fissure, you might want to get those wet wipes you've seen in your grandparents' bathroom to Go use easy, instead yeah. of dry, fibrous toilet paper. Right. And clean yourself very gently after you have a bowel. Yeah, hygiene high, high is important, but don't go crazy. Um, I think you know people use too much force are probably upsetting the healing of it. Um, but certainly for her, it's been a long time. She needs to get uh, seen by a proctologist or someone who can at least look up there and, and, and confirm that it's a fissure or not. Sometimes you get really – yeah, sometimes it can be really, non, uh, really non-healing. You can get like scar tissue around it and that can be a problem. But uh, And she says it healed once and then she went for it again and didn't use enough lube and injured herself again. Yeah, she needs to take her time too, Take right? your time. Use lots of lube. Give this lots of time to heal. See another doctor. Ask about the creams. There's a steroid too also that can be applied topically. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, if there's much of a role for st- a steroid cream, but definitely the, the cream that sort of uh, uh, calms down the, the smooth muscle around there. Uh, and then once your butt's back in shape, don't take it for granted a third time. <laughs> Lots of prep, lots of anal foreplay, lots of lube before you shove anything up there. Lube is the most important thing. If you uh, – you can never, never have enough. Never, never have enough, right? You should have a 50-gallon drum by your bed and just dip your whole ass in it before you have enough <laughs> Yes. Find the tools to indulge your fantasies at ExtremeRestraints.com. Whether you want the wife to plow your ass with a three-inch wide strap-on dildo while your cock is locked in a steel chastity cage – or you want to spend an indulgent evening of self-pleasure with an eight-speed wand massager and an array of attachments, ExtremeRestraints.com has the toys for you. Save an extra 10% on giant dildos, wand massagers, steel cock toys, fucking machines, and everything else at ExtremeRestraints.com when you use the coupon code GGGAUGUST. Double that discount for 20% off if you use it by Sunday. Um, Hi, Dan. This is a question that uh, maybe should be directed to one of your... uh medically trained uh, guests. Uh, I'm a bi guy in his mid-50s, and I'm wondering what you can tell me about penis cracking. Uh, Ever since I was a very small boy, I've been able to push down on my erection, and after a certain point, it cracks. Uh, There's a crack that comes from the root where it joins my body. Um, It sounds like a knuckle cracking. Um, It feels like a knuckle cracking from the inside. It even gives me that kind of uh, psychological sort of ah, satisfaction that a knuckle crack does. But, you know, I know darn well that there's no knuckle there. So I'm just wondering uh, what exactly happened. Uh, you know, I'm not worried about it. I've been doing it for, uh, for, for more than 40 years, and my junk hasn't fallen off yet. So I'm just going to assume it's not going to. 
I just so happen to have one of my medically trained guests right here, Dr. V. Chu. Yes. Are you familiar with this dick knuckle cracking <laughs> phenomena? You know, <laughs> I didn't learn about it in medical school. Uh, no. You did learn about but it in I have some familiarity with it, and I think he's going to kill me. Uh, but yes, I do. I do. Oh, he the 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 source of your familiarity is going to kill you. Yeah, I think so. But you know, what's your husband's let's name just again? Go for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say. <laughs> he uh, he has this funny parlor trick he can do. Um, that's just the exact same thing. Um, Thanksgiving, Christmas, hauls know, it out to the like kids. It's like this little trick that he gets this little grin. Like, look what I can do. Uh, it's not. It's just like a knuckle. I mean, in the sense, if you think about it, what, it, what when you're doing your popping your knuckle, is you're creating. Um, a pressure change in the fluid of the of the joint. You could technically do this anywhere else. That's sort of a. a uh, I'm sure you could do. I mean, it's obviously able. You're able to do it with your penis, but um, probably with his erect penis and and there's a, a fluid uh, that he's when he cracks it, he's essentially uh, changing the pressure of it rapidly, and it creates this little air bubble and it pops. Nothing. You know. Where Where is this air bubble? You know, I I don't know that. I can't answer. Uh, but I could. I, I just know that's. I it's. I, that, that has to be the explanation because it's <laughs> – I don't know what else would be going on down there. There's no joint. Um, what about that tendon or piece of tissue that roots the penis to the, the uh, that's a good question. pelvis I'm, that when some people get penis uh, enlargement surgery to snip that and it makes their dick drop and hang oh, a little lower. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure if that's the, the source or not. But anywhere there's a tendon, there's going to be a tendon sheath, right, with, uh, with a little bit of a potential space there with fluid. So that's possibly it. And that's probably what is cracking. Um, so I would tell this guy, though, at least, you know, from my N of one, that I I haven't seen anything bad happen. N from of it. two. N of t- <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, all my life, and I never actually thought, oh my god, I'm going to die. I just no, thought, no, 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 weird. And but you I know, never like, like questioned it. I, I thought everybody's dick. It's could not going to help. You know, it's just like the knuckles. Pop your knuckles. It's not going to make the knuckle bigger. I can wiggle my ears. I can pop my dick. All right. It's not a dangerous thing. This has. To, let me just put this out there, though. Make sure that you know there is a such thing as like uh, a, a penis fracture. So if you have a ver- – if it's a very erect penis and someone's going really vigorously, you can crack your penis. Yeah, it's I don't want problem. people to hear this and try to do it. Right, right. It's, it's not, not about b- bending a penis in half. It's about an erection and sort of pushing down on it from the top, not not jerking it, not janking it, not bending it, not twisting it, and you can get this crack sensation. Yeah, so you according know, to Doctor V's end of two, <laughs> end of two now. Um, <laughs> you can tell him, yeah, no, it should be fine. And uh, we should clear the room, and we should try to actually record this sound. <laughs> I cannot, so it's end I can't. I, I might clear the room of you, t- everybody, all the tech savvy at risk youth. You leave me alone. Turn the lights off. It'd <laughs> be really good audio, actually. <laughs> Another show. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high quality website or blog. Squarespace has launched a new content management system. It's called the new Squarespace. From a technical perspective, it's a new product with a different code base. From a user perspective, the new Squarespace gives you the best mobile experience. It features new templates with mobile-ready responsive designs, which means your site automatically restructures to any size device, so it looks professionally designed no matter how it's viewed. The new Squarespace is faster and easier than ever. Everything on the new Squarespace is now drag and drop, so you can customize pages in seconds by adding blocks of content, such as videos, photos, text, social media content, and immediately preview layout as you go. This makes it even easier for tech novices, like you, to build a site. The new Squarespace is a unified service, making it faster and easier than ever to make your ideal website or blog. 
For a free trial, go to squarespace.com slash savage. Sign up for a free account. Would this kill you? No, it would not. No credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use offer code SAVAGE8, please, and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. This includes monthly and annual plans, and free domain registration comes with annual plans. That's squarespace.com slash savage, and use offer code SAVAGE8. Hi, Dan. I have what I think is a simple question for you. Is it possible to run out of cum? I swear, it's a serious question. I am a 53-year-old straight male living with a very GGG woman. Our jobs keep us apart a lot of the time, and when we do get back home together, we tend to make up for lost time and hit it pretty hard. And pretty much it seems on the second or third time within a 24-hour period that we're hitting it, um, it feels like I'm about to go over the falls and then no come. And then my body thinks it's gone over the falls and my erection goes away and it thinks it's time for a nap, I guess. And this has been pretty consistent over the last year or so. And so I'm just wondering, is this a product of being uh, 53 years old and my body not needing to reproduce or am I not drinking enough fluids or something I should go see uh, my urologist about? Have you gotten this question before, Dr. Chu? I have, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's a success for him. I mean, if, if he's shooting blanks because he's having so much fun, then great. But there, uh, there is a phenomenon called um, retroejaculation. So, you know, if he's, if he's uh, having a prolonged period of uh, fun, uh, the, the prostate can kind of uh, grow a little bit. It, it just in that, it'll get engorged. And so the prostate is this gland right around the, the urethra. And so if you get really, really... A lot of engorgement. You can actually um, almost have like the the sperm will be blocked; it won't come out, but it'll in, 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 in instead go up into the bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a retro ejaculation. You know, I don't, th- I don't think he, I, he would probably he should probably talk to his urologist about it. But I think that's my, uh, what might be going on, other than him just. Uh, I mean, not technically running out of cum, but I mean, you you, you have the glands that have a repository of stuff and 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 the lubricant and things like that. And if you have if you ejaculate too many times, you you can sort of just stop shooting uh, you can have an orgasm you, but it, but it sounds like he's not saying my fifth orgasm is empty or zero it sounds like all of his orgasms now yeah are so that's blanks. the thing if he if he just starts off and he's shooting blanks then it, uh, it's possible i wonder about his prostate health i wonder if, if he's having other urinary problems like is he dribbling is he's got is he does he have hesitancy hesitancy problems meaning like he's standing there he wants to go to the bathroom he feels like he needs to go to the bathroom but he can't mm-hmm. um, or if he's dribbling afterwards or if he has to go to the bathroom a lot more than he used to uh, these are all these little things that point to an enlarged prostate, uh, and that could be causing his retroejaculation. Or, I mean, uh, if that's what's going on here. And he should err on the side of seeing his urologist, oh, go totally. to a doctor, talk to his doctor about it, his primary care oh, yeah. physician about it. Men need to know, though, you know, in your 50s and 60s, the intensity and the volume, intensity of orgasm and the volume of your ejaculate decreases. Yeah. And yeah. so don't regard a little drawing of, you know, you, you should regard some yeah. drawing back as a, a health emergency or a health crisis. 
there are guys who, you know, when they were 20 were shooting across the room who are now 50. Yep. And it ain't so right. flying so far. It ain't Having hitting over that, the shoulder. He should stay hydrated. You know, he should – he should he should do that, but he should also see his urologist just because, uh, you know, uh, it it could be a prostate issue, and he's going to need to have an exam, um, and even maybe I mean maybe the urologist might even check a, a PSA, which is not something they do anymore for screening, but um, if he's got symptoms, they might check that. Hi Dan, this is a 25 year old straight male, and I'm having some troubles with maintaining erections lately. Um, I'm, you know, again, I'm 25, I'm fit, I'm healthy, I'm happy. I've got somebody that's really understanding and both GUG and it's it's fantastic. Everything's great, um, but sometimes I'm having, but often I'm having trouble maintaining erection during sex, not during other acts, but just during penetration. And I've, and while I'm in the search of finding ways to help stop this from happening, I've noticed that specifically it's worse when I'm on top or especially when I'm standing. Um, do you have any advice on? On or you know reasons besides just maybe blood flow or activity that this would be the case. I I do much better when she's on top. Um, doesn't always change the outcome, but definitely do better than and when I stand when I stand up. It just the erection just dies almost you know, not immediately, but it dies a lot faster. Again, this isn't every time, but it's definitely a majority of the time lately. And while I don't think it was mental before, it's going to start becoming mental. So, if you have any advice? Um, also, we're, we're separated often due to a lot of traveling in my schedule, and I'm looking for sex toys that aren't insane, crazy, stimulating. Uh, I just want stuff that's light, easy, stuff that maybe is a little less grippy than my hand, uh, so that when I do see her, I'm used to something that's maybe a little less stimulation than what I would receive from, uh, from a vagina. So if you have any advice on either of those, I would really appreciate it. So in your practice, do you uh, prescribe a lot of sex toys to treat erectile dysfunction? No. Um, I just kind of go at the heart of it and just do things like Cialis and Viagra. Um, There's – there's, you know, the first thing you do is you try to figure out what's – obviously what's going on, what the cause is, right? And I would say most of the time, by far most of the time, it's just – it's all up in the head. It's psychosexual, right? There's something going on. There's – there's – it's that vicious loop of performance anxiety. Right, which mm-hmm. becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and mm-hmm. you get this negative feedback loop where there's that Absolutely. moment of anxiety pulls you out of the oh, yeah. sex and it, your dick goes it's away. It's all situational. I mean so much of sex is that is situational, right? And so if it's, everything's not there, then totally he could be having problems. Now, if you know, you're worried I, about your heart on, you're going to lose your heart. Right. <laughs> exactly. If you're thinking about it too much. So what I do, my job is to make sure there's nothing else going on. He's 25. Mm-hmm. He says he's, you know, he's he's healthy. He's happy. That's a big one. He's he's happy. He's not depressed. He doesn't have a lot of other stuff going on. He's not stressed. But this is obviously stressing him, right? So, you know, if he came to me in clinic, I would I would do a cursory look to see look for anything, you know, do a fasting glucose test, make sure he's not diabetic, um, check his blood pressure. I would actually even check his testosterone level as the libido is lower. But I think in this case, it seems like this is – I wonder about like how does he masturbate? Is he always on his back masturbating? Um, because you know he says it works better when she's on top and he's on his back, and he may need to mix up his masturbatory technique. What I think is most revealing is that he says it's long distance, so they're not together very often, ah. which makes his ability to like bust out that erection those times they are together that much more consequential. Like the stakes are that much higher for oh, his shit. dick, and so Everything I would recommend is riding on that exactly right, that, that and it's contributing erection. to his anxiety totally. 
So he needs to – I would recommend that he go get some Viagra Cialis too. The problem with recommending that to a 25-year-old is they always feel like you're giving me this old man drug for my dick and so I have an old man dick and I'm dead. No, yeah. You know, especially in a situation like this where he really – you know, I, just because it's in your head doesn't mean you can't use these kinds of medications if you use them safely. To bridge that gap. But I mean I think there's something To restore your confidence, to take your mind off <laughs> Just like it. the happy old guy on the Viagra bottle or the Viagra commercials. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think this guy, you know, I, always in the tub sitting in next my to medical each other opinion, he should probably like, yeah, have him start get him all porn star, like start masturbating while standing, right? I mean, he's having problems when he's on top or standing. I mean, that's that's a tall order. I mean, it, it, sex while standing and and being able to orgasm doing that. I mean, that's that's a lot of coordination. But so if get you up get, off your ass when you jerk off. Maybe think about getting a drug. Cock rings couldn't hurt. Yeah. And you need to do what you can to snip the negative feedback loop. You need to interfere with that. And one of the ways to interfere with the negative feedback loop are the drugs. Even if just having them there for some yeah, is I mean, enough of a comfort that you don't even need to take them. But you know that you've got it if you need it, yeah, that's, which can distract you. That just knowing that it's as a as a it's a it's a backup might be enough for him. So he might be uh, you know it might calm him down enough. But I do think you know he should be, he should try masturbating while standing. He should try. There's yeah, there's sex toys he could use. There's like those fleshlights. He could try masturbating with a fleshlight while standing. In my medical opinion, <laughs> you don't have a product endorsement deal with the <laughs> no, Fleshlight Corporation, no, do you? Capital Medical branded, no, <laughs> nothing like that. But I think you know stuff like that is a place I would. That's the low hanging fruit for sure. Also, you know, if you lose your erection during sex. Don't bust out a little seven-inch long coffin and put your dick in it and have a funeral for your dick. Shift to something else. Eat her pussy. Masturbate. Roll around. Go back to foreplay. Don't stand there looking down at your dick crying. Your head, yeah. There's so much more that you can do, including sex toys, including vibrators, including other shit. And if you distract yourself from your dick, if you take the pressure and focus off your dick and just say, I'm going to eat your pussy for 45 minutes and give you 10 orgasms, you'll be surprised that your erection may return once all the pressure and expectation has been lifted from your penis. Agreed. It's never worked for me, though. Anytime I eat <laughs> pussy, I don't ever get an erection ever again. I, I don't know about I, you. I take a different approach, yeah. <laughs> hey, Dan. How you doing? So I'm by and I have a been living with my girlfriend, soon to be wife, and once in a while I have the need to be with a man. So later, later yesterday I hired a person uh, online. We came over, met up. Um, he went to the bathroom, prepared, and we had sex. Um, basically, I went down on him, he went down on me, and then I we had protected anal sex. But my question is, is that what are the risks of unprotected rimming, to be more specific? I was like licking the anal region, not sticking my tongue in, just licking there and um, it just concerned me because of the, like uh, the smell of balls and ass, but I mean, I thought that was natural. But uh, what are the risks of uh, rimming? First, I want to say that I hope your girlfriend's down with all this. Your girlfriend, fiance, soon to be wife. That this is something that is 
you've discussed with her and she consents to this, getting with other guys every once in a while to meet your guy quota, your guy needs, and that you aren't doing this behind her back and incurring risks for sexually transmitted infections that then you may bring home to the soon-to-be wife. I hope you're an honest and decent and open by guy, not a cheating piece of shit. So the risks of rimming. So the risk of rimming. Uh, risks of rimming. Uh, so – you know, I also heard that you know they went down. Wait, they went down on each other. They went down on each other. Okay, so we are already thinking. You know, there's risk of rimming, but there's also st- other stuff that he get. He could have gotten from the other Oral stuff gonorrhea, too. syphilis. Exactly. So herpes. gonorrhea, chlamydia, you can get anytime a mucous membrane touches another mucous membrane. You can get it in your throat. You can get it in your penis. You can get it in your anus. Get right? in your eye. You can't. Yeah, actually, you could absolutely. Don't um, let anyone fuck your eye socket. <laughs> so yeah, so um, but there are things that are unique to uh, rimming because it's fecal oral transmission, right? So you can get hepatitis A. Um, you oh, and we did mention you. You did mention syphilis. Absolutely, you can get syphilis. Syphilis is exquisitely easy to get. Um, you only need twenty orgasms, uh, orgasms, organisms to uh, infect you, and it can be a real problem because especially if um, you can get it from kissing. You can get it from going down on someone, and if if they had a syphilis lesion that's just inside the canal, they may not know it because they don't not feeling any pain. It's typically a painless ulcer, mm-hmm. or if it's in your mouth, and you you wouldn't you might not know because you're not looking around your your oral cavity. So gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, you get herpes, hepatitis A, um, and then so you can basically get a, no one should have sex ever. Oh God, go for it! This is really depressing after a while. Uh, just be on the lookout for things, and then you know if he develops symptoms afterwards, you, know, you can get a host of other things that are just fecal origins. I mean, you, technically you get you know giardia, you get uh, there's uh, uh, amoeba, amoeba. You can get amoeba from this as well. Um, you, and what will that do to you, that amoeba? Uh, it'll be uh, diarrhea, it'll be abdominal pain. Um, it can affect your, it can actually affect your liver as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, um, it's how, now. How common is this? There's lots of people out there eating ass. There aren't a lot of people walking around not with their livers falling common. out of their bodies. Uh, at least, you know, not, not in my clinic. But it's it's certainly a, a it's concern. a risk. And, and really, and, and the problem when you talk about risks around sex, I just did it just in joking. When we talk about risks for sexually transmitted infections and sex, it ends up sounding like certainties. If you rim, you're going to get this. If you rim someone, this is going to happen to you. And that's not no. the case. The person that you are rimming has to have that for you right. to acquire. Yeah, it. so these are it's t- not spontaneously generated by rimming. Oh, absolutely not. No, rimming is is, is fine. Rimming is, is is if you do. Just uh, the, my concern for him is that this was somebody he hired, right? So you got to wonder if, he, if he's a nidus or something, if he's, if he's at a pretty active person that he's with, this mm-hmm. escort or whoever. Um, so you got to wonder how many other people he's he's been with. Exactly, the risks are higher, but. All things being equal, rimming is not particularly uh, risky, just as risky as anything else. I mean, it's you take your measured risks and you have fun doing it, and great, you're gonna have fun. Yeah, it's another risk reward. Oh yeah, it's always how it's much always do you that, like eating ass? How much risk are you willing to accept for these potential negative outcomes, sexually transmitted infections? So you know, he asks what he's at risk of. You're at risk of everything. Um, except for HIV. Except it's very HIV. low risk for HIV. Hep B, not really. Um, and yeah. there's vaccines for the HEPs that people should be getting. A and B that everyone should be getting, yes. Um, I think hepatitis B essentially is a childhood vaccination now, but it, it's been that way for, what, 20 years? So pretty much anyone who's above 20, I, usually, I either ask or I, in my clinic I test to see if they have the immunity. Hepatitis A is more of a traveler's vaccination uh, in, uh, in the sort of heterosexual community, but it's re- recommended by the CDC for all GLBT uh, people who I, I guess are a little more fecal oral in what we do, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's definitely one of the, those two. Uh, hepatitis C, there's no vaccine for. We I believe wish. that's the motto of the Gay Pride Parade next year: a little more fecal oral in what we do. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the little more fecal oral pride parade. That's on a t-shirt somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> it ought to be. It could be by tomorrow. Someone's probably rushing Approved right 74, now. and we're a little more fecal oral. <laughs> Hi, Dan. I just listened to Lovecast 301. The guy who was uh, complaining about his wife not wanting to have sex with him, he said that he asked his wife to have sex with him as if he were asking for a glass of milk, and that may be a bigger problem than 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 you realize. Um, women in, in long-term relationships feel neglected and ignored, be, taken for granted, and sometimes, and it would help if men would flirt with them a little bit more and make them feel sexy, and maybe that would encourage him to have uh, her to have sex with him more often. Hi, this is in response to episode 301. Try playing hard to get, or... Like, compliment her, you know, compliment her on how she looks or something she does, and just maybe like a little huggy grab, kiss her neck kind of thing without even mentioning sex. You said that you asked her to have sex, and, I mean, that that's no fun for a woman. Like, hey, baby, want to do it? Like, no. Like, do something for me first to make me interested. or You know, like, do that. Kiss her neck, give her a compliment, see if that works. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm calling in response to the woman who called in on episode 301, who said that um, her her fantasy of being co-queens made her cry. And I really empathize with that. Um, I have a lot of power play, rape fantasies, and sometimes I accept that more, but sometimes I cry after I masturbate because it's sad to me that something that gets me off is something that brings people pain um, and has brought me pain in the past. Something that's helped me get through it, my boyfriend said to me, is that everybody who likes sex, which is almost everybody, uh, likes it because of the power that's there. And I think what you said about, you know, finding different ways to tell that power story is really, is, is awesome because something that's helped me is like, it's not that I want this awful thing to happen, it's that everybody finds power sexy and changing power sexy. And if I think about it like that, um, sometimes that helps me get through the harder emotions around it. So um, best of luck, you're not the only one who is sad about what they fantasize about, but I think just like I can be happy and empowered about it sometimes, I think you can get there too. And we're going to leave it there. Our thanks to Dr. V. Chu. Will you come back and join us again? I would love to. It was really fun. You're awesome. Dr. V. Chu is one of the physicians at Capitol Hill Medical, the LGBT primary care clinic here in Seattle, and he will join us again. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Give us a buzz if you want to record a question or a comment for your future show. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at fake. Dan Savage and me and the tech savvy at risk youth uh, and our producer Nancy Hartunian will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.